Section 36 of the Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Rucker, August 22, 2021, Westford, Massachusetts. The Natural History, Volume 7, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 36, Book 37, Chapters 19 to 30. Chapter 19, The Precious Stone Called Thanos, Chalcos Maragdus. Among the Smaragdi is also included the precious stone known as Thanos. It comes from Persia and is of an unsightly green and of a soiled color within. There is the Chalcos Maragdus. It was probably dioptase combined with copper pyrites, also a native of Cyprus, the face of which is mottled with coppery veins. Theophrastus relates that he had found it stated in the Egyptian histories that a king of Babylon once sent to the king of Egypt a smaragdus four cubits in length by three in breadth. He informs us also that in a temple of Jupiter in Egypt, there was an obelisk made of four smaragdi, 40 cubits in length and four in breadth at one extremity and two at the other. He says too that at the period at which he wrote, there was in the temple of Hercules at Tyrus a large column made of singular smaragdus, though very possibly it might only be a pseudo-smaragdus, a kind of stone not uncommonly found in Cyprus, where a block had been discovered composed one half of smaragdus and one half of jasper, and the liquid in which had not as yet been entirely transformed. Appion, surnamed Plistonices, meaning the conqueror of many, has left a very recent statement that there was still in existence in his time in the labyrinth of Egypt a colossal statue of Serapis made of a single smaragdus, nine cubits in height. Chapter 20. Barrels. Eight varieties of them, defects in barrels. Barrels, it is thought, are of the same nature as the smaragdus, or at least closely analogous. India produces them, and they are rarely to be found elsewhere. The lapidaries cut all barrels of an hexagonal form because the color, which is deadened by a dull uniformity of surface, is heightened by the reflection resulting from the angles. If they are cut in any other way, these stones have no brilliancy whatever. The most esteemed barrels are those which in color resemble the pure green of the sea, the chrysobarrel being next in value, a stone of a somewhat paler color, but approaching a golden tint. Closely allied to this last in its brilliancy, but of a more pallid color, and thought by some to constitute a separate genus, is chrysoprasus, leek green and gold. In the fourth rank are reckoned the hyacinthine barrels, and in the fifth, those known as aoroides, sky-colored. Next, we have the wax-colored barrels, and after them, the oleaginous barrels, so-called from the resemblance of their color to that of oil. Last of all, there are the stones, which closely resemble crystal in appearance, mostly disfigured by spots and filaments, and of a poor faint color as well, 
all of them so many imperfections in the stone. The people of India are marvelously fond of barrels of an elongated form and say that these are the only precious stones they prefer wearing without the addition of gold. Hence it is that after piercing them, they string them upon the bristles of the elephant. It is generally agreed, however, that those stones should not be perforated which are of the finest quality, and in this case they only enclose the extremities of them in studs of gold. They prefer to cutting the barrels in a cylindrical form instead of setting them as precious stones, an elongated shape being the one that is most highly esteemed. Some are of the opinion that barrels are naturally angular and that when pierced they become improved in color, the white substance being thus removed that lies within and their brilliancy heightened by the reflection of the gold in which they are set, or at all events their transparency being increased by this diminution in their thickness. In addition to the defects already mentioned, and which are pretty nearly the same as those to which the smaragdus is subject, barrels are affected with cloudy spots, like those on the fingernails in appearance. In our own part of the world, it is thought that they are sometimes found in countries that lie in the vicinity of Pontus. The people of India, by coloring crystal, have found a method of imitating various precious stones, barrels in particular. Chapter 21. Opals. Seven varieties of them. Opals are at once very similar to and very different from barrels and only yield to the smaragdus in value. India too is the sole parent of these precious stones, thus completing her glory as being the great producer of the most costly gems. Of all precious stones, it is opal that presents the greatest difficulties of description it displaying at once the piercing fire of carbunculus, the purple brilliancy of amethystus, and the sea-green of smaragdus, the whole blended together and refulgent with a brightness that is quite incredible. Some authors have compared the effect of its refulgency to that of the color known as Armenian pigment while others speak of it as resembling the flame of burning sulfur or a flame fed with oil. In size, the opal is about as large as a hazelnut, and with reference to it, there is a remarkable historical anecdote related. For there is still in existence a stone of this class on account of which Antonius proscribed the senator Nonius, son of the Nonius Struma, whom the poet Catullus was so displeased at seeing in the Cyril chair and grandfather of the Servilius Nonianus, who in our own times was consul. On being thus proscribed, Nonius took to flight, carrying with him out of all his wealth nothing but this ring, the value of which is well known was estimated at two millions of sesterces. How marvelous must have been the cruelty, how marvelous the luxurious passion of Antonius, thus to prescribe a man for the possession of a jewel, and no less marvelous must have been the obstinacy of Nonius, who could thus dote upon what had been the cause of his proscription. For we see the very brutes even tear off the portion of their body for the sake of which they know their existence to be imperiled, and so redeem themselves by parting with it. Chapter 22. Defects in Opals. The Modes of Testing Them. 
Defects in opal are a color inclining to that of the flower called heliotropium, or to that of crystal or of hailstones, salt-like grains intervening, roughness on the surface, or sharp points presenting themselves to the eye. There is no stone that is imitated by fraudulent dealers with more exactness than this in glass, the only mode of detecting the imposition being by the light of the sun. For when a false opal is held between the finger and thumb and exposed to the rays of that luminary, it presents but one and the same transparent color throughout, limited to the body of the stone, whereas the genuine opal offers various refulgent tints in succession and reflects now one hue and now another as it sheds its luminous brilliancy upon the fingers. This stone, in consequence of its extraordinary beauty, has been called Pedros, lovely youth, by many authors, and some who make a distinct species of it say that it is the same as the stone that in India is called Sanjinan. These last-mentioned stones, it is said, are found in Egypt also, Arabia, and of very inferior quality in Pontus. Galatia, too, is said to produce them, as also Thassus and Cyprus. The finest in quality of them have all the beauty of opal, but they are of a softer brilliance and are mostly rough on the surface. Their color is a mixture of sky blue and purple, and the green hues of the smaragdus are wanting. Those, too, are preferred which have their brilliancy deepened by a venous hue rather than those which have their colors diluted, as it were, with water. Chapter 23. Sardonic. The several varieties of it. Defects in the sardonic. Thus far we have spoken in reference to the stones, which it is generally agreed belong to the highest rank in obedience, more particularly to a degree that has been passed by the ladies to that effect. There is less certainty with respect to those upon which the men as well have been left to form a judgment, seeing that the value of each stone depends more particularly upon the caprice of the individual and the rivalry that exists in reference thereto. As, for example, when Claudius Caesar was so much in the habit of wearing the Smaragdus and the Sardonyx. The first Roman who wore Sardonyx, according to Demostratus, was the elder Africanus, since whose time this stone has been held in very high esteem at Rome, for which reason we shall give it the next place after the opal. By sardonyx, from the Greek sometone, sard, and onyx, a fingernail. As the name itself indicates, was formerly understood a sarda with a white ground beneath it, like the flesh beneath the human fingernail both parts of the stone being equally transparent. Such, according to Ismenius, Demostratus, Xenothenus, and Sotakis, is the sardonyx of India, the last two giving the name of blind sardonyx to all the other stones of this class which are not transparent and which have now entirely appropriated the name to themselves. For at the present day, the Arabian sardonyx presents no traces whatever of the Indian sarda, it being a stone that has been found to be characterized by several different colors of late, black or azure for the base, and vermilion surrounded with a line of rich white for the upper part, not without a certain glimpse of purple 
as the white passes into the red. We learn from Xenothemis that in his time these stones were not held by the people of India in any high esteem, although they are found there of so large a size as to admit of the hilts of swords being made of them. It is well known, too, that in that country they are exposed to view by the mountain streams, and that in our part of the world they were formerly valued from the fact that they are nearly the only ones among the engraved precious stones that do not bring away the wax when an impression is made. The consequence is that our example has at last taught the people of India to set a value upon them and the lower classes there now pierce them even to wear them as ornaments for the neck. A great proof, in fact, at the present day, of a sardonyx being of Indian origin. Those of Arabia are remarkable for their marginal line of brilliant white, of considerable breadth, and not glistening in hollow fissures in the stone or upon the sides, but shining upon the very surface at the margin and supported by a ground intensely black beneath. In the stones of India, this ground is like wax in color, or else like cornell, with a circle also of white around it. In some of these stones, too, there is a play of colors like those of the rainbow, while the surface is redder even than the shell of the sea locust. Those stones, which are like honey in appearance, or of a faeculent color, such being the name given to one defect in them, are generally disapproved of. They are rejected also when the white zone blends itself with the other colors, and its limits are not definitely marked, or, if in like manner, it is irregularly intersected by any other color, it being looked upon as an imperfection if the regularity of any one of the colors is interrupted by the interposition of another. The sardonyx of Armenia is held in some esteem, but the zone round it is of a pallid hue. But the zone round it is of a pallid hue. Chapter 24. Onyx. The several varieties of it. We must give some account also of onyx, because of the name which it partly shares in common with sardonyx. This name, though in some places given to a marble, is here used to signify a precious stone. Sudin says that in this stone there is a white portion which resembles the white of the human fingernail, in addition to the colors of chrysolithos, sarda, and iaspis. According to Xenothemis, there are numerous varieties of the Indian onyx, the fiery-colored, the black, and the cornell, with white veins encircling them like an eye, as it were, and in some cases running across them obliquely. It is pretty clear that the onyx of Pliny included not only our onyx, but several other varieties of the Chalcedony. Sotakis mentions an Arabian onyx, which differs from the rest, that of India, according to him, presenting small flames, each surrounded by one or more white zones, in a manner altogether different from the Indian sardonyx, which presents a series of white specks, while in this case it is one continuous circle. The Arabian onyx, on the other hand, is black, he says, with a white zone encircling it. Satirus says that there is an onyx in India of a flesh color, partly resembling carbunculus and partly chrysolithos and amethystus. 
a variety, however, which he altogether disapproves of. The real onyx, according to him, has numerous veins of variegated colors interspersed with others of a milk-white hue, the shades of which, as they pass into one another, produce a tint which surpasses all description and blends itself into one harmonious whole of a most beautiful appearance. Not unlike sardonyx, too, is sarda, a stone which also has, in part, a kindred name with it. But before passing on to it, we must first take some notice of all those precious stones which have a brilliancy like that of flame. Chapter 25. Carbunculus. Twelve varieties of it. In the first rank among these is carbunculus, literally meaning a red-hot coal, so-called from its resemblance to fire, though in reality it is proof against the action of that element. Hence, it is that some persons call these stones akostoi, from the Greek meaning incombustible. There are various kinds of carbunculus, the Indian and the garamantic, for example, which last has been also called the Carchidonian, in complement to the former opulence of the great Carthage. To these are added the Ethiopian and the Alabantic stones, the latter of which are found at Arthosia in Caria, but are cut and polished at Alabanda. In addition to this, each kind is subdivided into the male carbunculus and the female, the former of which is a more striking brilliancy, the brightness of the latter being not so strong. In the male varieties, too, we see some in which the fire is clearer than in others, while some, again, are of a darker hue, or else have their brilliancy more deeply seated, and shine with a more powerful luster than others when viewed in the sun. The most highly esteemed, however, is the amethyst-colored stone, the fire at the extremity of which closely approaches the violent tint of amethystus, next in value to which are the stones known as sertites, radiant with the wavy, feathery refulgenie. They are found more particularly, it is said, where the reflection is most powerful of the rays of the sun. Satyrus says that carbunculus of India has no luster, that it is mostly soiled, and that in all cases its brilliancy is of a tawny complexion. The Ethiopian stones, he says, are dense, emit no luster, and burn with a concentrated flame. According to Callistratus, the refulgenie of this stone should be of a whitish hue, and when placed upon a table, it should heighten by its luster other stones placed near it that are clouded at the edge. Hence it is that many writers speak of this stone as the white carbunculus, while the Indian stone, with its comparatively feeble luster, is known by the name of Lingnizan. The Carchidonian stones, they say, are of a much smaller size than the others, but those of India admit of being hollowed out and making vessels that will hold as much as one sextarius even. According to Archelaus, the Carchidonian carbunculus is of a more swarthy appearance than the others, but when exposed to the light of the fire or sun, and viewed obliquely, the brilliancy of it is much more intense than that of the rest. He says, too, that this stone, when overshadowed by a roof, has a purple tint, that when viewed in the open air is of a flame color, and that, when exposed to the rays of the sun, it scintillates, 
He states also that wax, if sealed with these stones, in the shade even, will melt. Many others have asserted that the Indian stones are paler than the Carchedonian, and that, quite the converse of these last, they are all the less brilliant when viewed obliquely, as also that in the male Carchedonian stone there are luminous points like stars within, while, in the case of the female stone, the whole of its refulgenie is thrown beyond it. The stones of Alabanda, too, it is said, are darker than the other kinds and rough on the surface. In the vicinity also of Miletus, there are stones of this description found in the earth, resembling those of Alabanda in color and proof against the action of fire. According to Theophrastus, these stones are to be found also at Orchomenus in Arcadia and in the Isle of Chios, the former of which are of a darker hue and are used for making mirrors. He says, too, that at Troezen they are found of various colors and mottled with white spots, those found at Corinth being of a more pallid, whitish hue. He states also that they are sometimes imported from Massilia. Focus informs us in his writings that these stones are extracted from the ground at Elisipo at the cost of great labor. However, in consequence of the parched, argillaceous nature of the soil. Chapter 26, Defects in Carbunculus and the Mode of Testing It. Nothing is more difficult than to distinguish the several varieties of the stone, so great an opportunity do they afford to the artistic skill of compelling them to reflect the colors of substances placed beneath. It is possible, they say, to heighten the brilliancy of dull stones by steeping them for 14 days in vinegar, this adventitious luster being retained by them as many months. They are counterfeited, too, with great exactness in glass, but the difference may be detected with, with the touchstone, the same being the case also with other artificial stones, as the material is always of a softer nature and comparatively brittle. When thus tested by the stone, hard knots, too, are detected in them, and the weight of the glass counterfeit is always less. In some cases, too, they present small blisters within, which shine like silver. Chapter 27. Anthracitis. There is also a fossil stone found in Thesprotia, known as anthracitis, and resembling a burning coal in appearance. Those who have stated that it is a native also of Liguria are mistaken, in my opinion, unless perhaps it was to be found there in their time. Some of these stones, they say, are surrounded with a vein of white, like those which we have mentioned above. They have a fiery color, but there is this peculiarity in them that when thrown into the fire, they will have all the appearance of becoming quenched and deadened, while on the other hand, if they are drenched with water, they become doubly glowing. Chapter 28 Sandastros, Sandaresos. Of a kindred nature, too, is Sandastros, known as Garmantites by some. It is found in India at a place of that name and is a product also of the southern parts of Arabia. The great recommendation of it is that it has all the appearance of fire placed behind a transparent substance, it burning with star-like scintillations within that resemble drops of gold and are always to be seen in the body of the stone, and never upon its surface. There are certain religious associations, too, connected with this stone, in consequence of the affinity which it is supposed to bear with the stars. 
the scintillations being mostly in number and arrangement, like the constellations of the Pleiades and Hyades, a circumstance which had led to the use of it by Chaldai in the ceremonials which they practice. Here, too, the male stones are distinguished from the female by the comparative depth of color and the vigorousness of the tints which they impart to objects near them. Indeed, the stones of India, it is said, quite dim the sight by their brilliancy. The flame of the female sandostros is of a more softened nature and may be pronounced to be lustrous rather than brilliant. Some prefer the stone of Arabia to that of India and say that this last bears a considerable resemblance to a smoke-colored chrysolithos. Ismenius asserts that Sandastris, in consequence of its extreme softness, will not admit of being polished, a circumstance which makes it sell all the dearer. Other writers, again, call these stones Sandricite. One point upon which all the authorities are agreed is that the greater the number of stars upon the stone, the more costly it is in price. The similarity of the name has sometimes caused this stone to be confounded with that known as Sandaresos, and which Nicander calls Sandesarian and others Sandeseron. Some again call this last-mentioned stone Sandastros and the former one Sandaresos. The stone that is thus mentioned by Nicander is a native of India as well as the other and likewise takes its name from the locality where it is found. The color of it is that of an apple or of green oil and no one sets any value on it. Chapter 29. Lightness. Four varieties of it. To the same class of flame-colored stones belongs that known as lightness from Leichnos, a lighted lamp or torch, so-called from its luster being heightened by the light of the lamp, under which circumstances its tints are particularly pleasing. It is found in the vicinity of Orthosia, throughout the whole of Caria, and in the neighboring localities, but the most approved stones are those that come from India. Some writers have given the name of deadened carbunculus to a likeness of second-rate quality, and similar in color to the flower known as the flower of Jove. I find other varieties also mentioned, one with a purple radiance and another of a scarlet tint. It is asserted, too, that these stones, when heated or rubbed between the fingers, will attract chaff and filaments of paper. Chapter 30. Carchidonia. Carchidonia, too, is said to have the same property, though far inferior in value to the stones already mentioned. It is found in the mountains among the Nasamones, being produced, the natives think, by showers sent for the purpose from heaven. These stones are found by the light of the moon, more particularly when at full. In former days, Carthage was not the entrepot for them. Archelaus speaks of a brittle variety being found in the vicinity of Thebes also, in Egypt, full of veins and similar to dying embers in appearance. I find it stated, too, that in former times drinking vessels used to be made of the stone and of likeness. All these kinds of stone, however, offer the most obstinate resistance to the graveur, and, if used for seals, are apt to bring away a part of the wax. End of section 36.